Well, I'm very excited to welcome you for the final message in our series, Foundation, Something You Can Believe In. And wherever you're connecting with us today, Gables Campus, Kindle Campus, across the nation, around the world, we are praying that God would grant you his sense of identity for you. Now, I, uh, I remember this book from when I was a kid. I love this book. And I look forward to sharing it with my own grandson. Uh, oh my, look, there he is. Uh, what's not to love about him, you know? Uh, but back to the book. Um, National Education Association listed this book as book one at one time of the top 100 books for children. The Library Journal, School Library Journal, voted it one of the top 100 picture books of all time. You probably read it. It's a little story by P.D. Eastman called, Are You My Mother? Remember this story? It's about this little hatchling bird whose mother leaves the nest while it's still in the egg, and no sooner than she leaves, it hatches and starts immediately looking for mother. Um, can't fly, so walks everywhere and asks everything. Are you my mother? Are you my mother? Are you my mother? Asks a hen, asks a uh, duck, I think, asks a, um, a kitten, a cow. And of course, none of them are its mother. So it says, I have a mother. I know I do. I will find her. I will. I will. And then asks a car. No response. Asks a plane, a boat and then perches on the teeth of a uh, huge steam shovel that, lives, that, that gives out this snort, you know, snort, and says, you're not my mother, you're a snort. And then the snort starts moving and drops the little bird right back in its nest just as its mother is arriving from finding food. And she says, do you know who I am? And he says, you're a bird. You're my mother. Oh, happy day, you know, happy ending. And uh, don't you love that? Don't you love that? Well, let me, why am I telling you that? Sometimes life's journey is punctuated by what I am not moments. Is this true? Is this true for you? You know, I'm not a cow, I'm not a cat, I'm not this, I'm not that. I like this, but not that. You go through life saying that, you know, oh, no, that's me, that's not. That these identity issues rise just as part of our normal course of life. Um, but I'm talking about more than simply issues of taste or preference. I'm talking about the question of identity. Who am I? And how am I defined in my experience, my reality? What is my purpose and meaning in life? And we find ourselves searching, don't we? And then seeking for answers. So we look in the workplace. You know, are you why I'm here? We look in our recreation. Am I alive for you, from you? We look at our friends, you know, do you like me? Are you my mother? Are you my mother? Are you my mother? It's like we, you know, we turn, we're looking for affirmation. We're looking for validation. We're looking for identity, right? So these days we look in social media. You know, you put your post up and then you go back and see how many likes you got. What is that? We're looking for somebody. Are you paying attention to me? Do you know who I am? Can you offer me validation? This identity quest continues and this longing for meaning 
and identity. It's been around a long time. You can find it actually in the, uh, at, at least 800 years before Christ, or the eighth century prophets, uh, Isaiah. There's 66 chapters of this incredible struggle and, um, and ordeal that the people are going through. And in chapter 66, book of Isaiah, verse 13, God concludes that arduous ordeal by telling them this, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. In other words, your heavenly father loves you like a mother and can help you know who you truly are. And this is Jesus' answer to the identity question. God, your heavenly father, loves you deeply and is the solution to your identity quest. Finding Dory, you know her story? Little friend of Nemo and Marlon, right? And um, so she somehow gets separated from her parents when she was little. And, um, and as she grows up, she tries to find them, but eventually forgets because she has this memory issue forgets them, and then one day she has a flashback, and suddenly, oh, I have a family. And they live at Jewel, what is it, the Jewel of Morro Bay. And, um, and so she starts following this haunting calling, this kind of impression that I'm, I've gotta find my way home. And then she starts remembering as she sees seashells that she was taught that if you ever lose your way, then just follow the path of the shells and they will lead you home. And as she gets closer to home, she sees suddenly many shell paths all leading to her home. And as she's arriving, so is her mother and father who have just come back from gathering more shells to put out another path in case she might stumble on it and be able to find her way home. And my understanding of the story is this, you know, when she finds her way home, now she knows more truly who she is. It's an identity story that answers the question, why am I here and who am I really? And uh, it reminds me of the story that we read in the Bible that God has put markers through time and history and even in your personal life to say, if you are seeking, then if you seek me, you will find me that you might find your way home. And then what we see, these markers align in the story of history and time to culminate in Jesus Christ. And then from him emanate into your truest self. That's the story of the Bible. So, and actually it's a message from the first world missionary, Paul who said, in God, we live and move and have our being. This is an identity foundation. So we're not just human doings. We are human beings created in God's image to live and move and be and become who we truly are, which raises the question, why did God create people? You ever wondered that? Why did God create us at all? Well, why do parents have children? I don't know, sometimes they don't intend to, right? But that's not God's story. God's story is that people have purpose, that he intended human beings to occupy this planet. Well, why? Well, as an expression of who he is, an extension of his identity now seen in those that bear his image. 
and the joy of life, the joy of love. That's part of the story that we start to discover. You maybe sometimes you'll hear somebody say, oh, God made us to praise him. And somebody might counter this. Well, what a weak ego God must have. You know, really? God made us to praise him? And, you know, I think I understand what they say, but um, God doesn't force anybody into worship. But here's the thing. When you truly meet the living God in Jesus Christ and are brought into his love, it's like to know him is to love him. It's really normal to go, whoa, you are awesome. I love you. And the worship grows out of the experience of who he is, then I am now offering more of who I am. And then you discover that to know him is to become your truest self. So the foundation stone that we're building on today is identity in Christ. And we could summarize it by saying this, I exist to know God. Why am I here? I exist to know God and to love God in response to his love, and then to serve God and rise to that purpose in my life. That's the identity statement. Now, let me speak to Christ followers first. Maybe you're here as a seeker today. Maybe you're here as a guest. Maybe, you know, you kind of used to get close to these kind of church God things, but it's been a while, and you're kind of just checking it out again. Maybe you just did a drive-by, and you're in today. We're so glad you're here. Maybe you're just on the front end kicking the tires and saying, well, what, what would that look like? God bless you. But let me talk to those that are already on the journey just for a moment. Why does this matter? Why does this topic matter? Because you have a spiritual enemy who is constantly attacking your worth as an image bearer of God, throwing accusations at you, spinning lies at you, inviting you to be shamed and put down with the full expectation that once you're down, then that's where you will stay. So the deception is intended to take you to a level of uh, frustration and limitation, if not destruction. And if you face those kinds of struggles, then you may want to pay attention today because you're going to find some tools that will help you rise above them and replace them, the lies, with God's truth. And what is the truth? I exist to know, love, and serve God. We'll see more about what that means. It also matters because it's very different from the culture's worldview. Our world tells us this, you exist for self-actualization, right? You heard that before? That means that I exist for me. I exist to serve myself, which sort of makes sense to me. How about you? Does part of that feel right? It's like, yeah, I get that, I feel that, it sounds right, it feels right, and it seems pretty natural. And then here Jesus jumps right in the middle of that and says, wait a minute. That's a dead end, as we discover sooner rather than later, many of us who think, I'm here for me. Reminds me of something Steve Brown said one time, you know, if I'm God, why does my back hurt? You know, if, if it's all about me, then where does that lead? It's a dead end. Jesus jumps in before we hit the dead part of the end and says, no, 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 don't go down that road. I've got one from the creation that emanates from who you truly are, and I want to help you understand all that you can be. So he says, you are made for more than you. I am made for more than me. That's a dead end. God doesn't make us to force us to love him. That's not what that's about. We're not cloned into some kind of spiritual servitude. Gag me. 
And I get how people who believe that would want to reject that kind of God, right? By the way, if you're one of those people, that's exactly what your spiritual enemy wants you to do. Believe a lie so that you won't get close to the truth because the truth can set you free and you're gonna discover more of who you are by coming home to God, right? That's how it works. So that's a lie to keep you from God's truth. And the truth will answer your identity question. The identity crisis is the crisis of our day. We're confused about who we are. We wrestle with feelings of inadequacy, with uh, self-doubt, shame. We feel like we're not smart enough, we're not good enough, we're not pretty enough, we're not something enough to really live life. And so we wind up living less than kinds of lives. And then we keep on trying harder, but we just get tired. And then we get haunted by the same questions. But who am I? And do I matter? And why am I alive? And what's my purpose in life? And the answer of scripture through Jesus Christ is more than adequate to address the identity question. Summed up, the answer is this. You exist, I exist to know God and then to love God and to serve his purpose in my life. That what will happen, not as a slave, not as some kind of um, controlled labor force, but as a dearly loved child. And as you and I do that, what will happen, just like for Dory, you're gonna access your core life source for which you were made. Just like a car was made to run on gas, you and I are made, God designed human beings to be fueled by God. You are wired for God. And that's why we call this identity pillar, or the foundation pillar, identity in Christ, because the key is in Christ. So what I wanna do is just take a look at who did Jesus say he was? Because if my identity flows from who he was, then knowing him is gonna help me get a little bit better, closer to my identity question answer, correct? And in John's gospel, one of the eyewitnesses that walked with him through life, Jesus, he quoted him with I am statements. He said, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In other words, I'm the nourishment of your heart and your soul. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. What the sun is to the earth, Jesus Christ is to the human soul. To warm and sustain you and to guide you. I am the door. Jesus grew up in a carpenter's home where he learned that every building has an entrance called a door. And he said, I am the entrance into the kingdom of heaven. And through forgiveness that comes through me, you will access God's large space for who you are. I am the good shepherd who gives his life for his sheep. We stray from God, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. And then as I chase my appetite, sometimes I place myself in harm's way. I, I suddenly look up and it's like, how did I get so close to the edge? Or how did I wind up in this ditch? It's because just like a sheep follows its appetite, we tend to wander where the rest of the flock is going and the shepherd has got to come in and guide us and guard us, especially when we feel lost the most. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. What's he talking about? Through him, you can access eternal quality of life in a rebirth that will issue into a eternal character of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So as not to stutter, 
come to the Father through me. Here's the path of seashells you can see that bring you to me so you can experience who you truly are. John 15, I'm the true vine. And through me, you will bear much fruit. What does that mean? He's the source of life. He's like, you connect to him and the sap of his Holy Spirit flows through your soul and spirit and you start bearing spiritual fruit. Jesus said, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. And now if this were a piece of music, then you've been listening to a crescendo, a gradual volume increase all along and now it's building to this huge cymbal crash, you know. What's the symbol crash? Our being flows from his being. Your identity flows from his identity. You are meant for more than this life alone. We are like spiritual amphibians. We've said that before. You are born in this life, but intended to experience another quality of life, an eternal quality of life. And just as Jesus was raised from the dead, then we likewise who follow him will be transformed into his image to rise in the next. And so Jesus, when he was talking to his followers about this life, he said, here, you've been faithful in the little things. That's how Jesus characterizes this life. Now they feel pretty big to us. But from God's perspective, he says, you know, this life is really full of little things, but you've been faithful in the little things. Now, enter into the greater things. In other words, what we experienced on this side was meant, you are intended for more than simply this life. You are intended for greatness throughout eternity. That's how I understand it. And you're being remade into the image of Jesus Christ that you might live out of that Reality. That's where your identity flows. So what I'd like to do is share some identity statements that come from the letters of the New Testament from the earliest Christians who wrote about how does who Jesus is affect how I view myself. And what I'd like to do is just offer it to you like spiritual moho. And you be the stake and we'll just soak it up. Okay, we're gonna soak it up for a while and let the flavor, la sabor, kind of fuel our lives a bit, okay? And so what I'd like to do though, I, I'll start, okay, I'll start, like this one. I am made in the image of God Almighty and I'm being remade in the image of his son. Soak it up, soak it up. I am loved by the maker of the cosmos. Hmm. I am a brand new creation. Old things are passing away. All things are becoming new. Soak it up. I am a dearly loved child of God. I am an heir of the king of kings. I am more than a conqueror in Christ. I am redeemed. We sang about that a moment ago. You know what we're doing? When we sing songs with those I am statements in it, we're just soaking up our identity. Now let's turn the, turn over and soak up some more, but you join me now, would you? Would you read these with me? I am hidden with Christ in God. I am a temple of the Spirit of God. I am a part of the body of Christ. I am a work in progress. I love that one. My wife loves it too. It's like, you know, I'm not a finished product yet, honey. You know, God is still working on me. It's like say, can I get an amen? amen. Yeah. See, he who began a good work in you will continue that work until the day of Christ. 
We're not done yet. God's not done yet. You read another one with me? I am forgiven. No condemnation in Jesus Christ. And as a result, I am a forgiver. What does that mean? What other people do against me cannot keep me trapped. I'm not going to be held captive by resentment and grudges. God gives me the power to let them go by the same power that sets me free from sin. I am dead to sin and alive in Christ. Okay, just turn it over again. Soak it up. Identity statements. I am God's masterpiece recreated to make a difference. Workmanship by God. Art by God. That's how Paul defines us in Ephesians 2. I am chosen and ordained of God to bear fruit. I am an ambassador of Christ. Okay, take a breath. We're going to read these one. This, these Speak so as to be heard, okay? Ready? I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. What plans God has for image bearers that are being redeemed into his likeness, he wants to change the world through you. Now, why is this foundation so significant? The way we summarize it is this. You exist, I exist to know God. And out of that knowing, then to love God. And in that relationship, then to serve God. And that's gonna make a difference in changing the world. Why? Because you were made for more than this life. You are meant for more than simply doing things until you die. You are not a human doing with a bucket list. You are a human being. You are meant to be and become after his image. See, that's your identity. You are a being. The other is activity. So don't settle for activity when God wants to show you what your identity is. You understand what I'm saying? How can you embrace your identity in Christ then becomes a question. What do I do? Well, watch out for the do word. That's the first thing, okay? Because <laughs> it's not about doing. Don't start with doing. What should you do? Well, you should be some things. I got some B words for you, okay? That you can take from here and put into practice and take the moho right out into the uh, place where you live. The first one is believe. Embrace your identity in Christ by believing what God says about you and what you're meant to be and who you are and where you come from. You are made in the image of God. You were intended to be the crown of creation and the world was going to be made different because of you. And so valuable are you that even when sin invaded into our human story and has now infected your story and is trying to take you off point and take you down, then you are so valuable to the God who made you that he came in Jesus Christ to redeem you. That he spared not his only son, but gave him up for us all. Why? Because of who you are in him as an expression of who he is, he has now come to you. And now by the resurrection of Christ, his spirit is available to live in you, to start restoring you, not just to the former image, but to the future image of his son. You are meant for greatness and God has greater things for you. Believe it. 
Believe it. Why? Because what gets your mind gets you. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus Christ. Trust him as your Savior and Lord. And then put on the full armor of God. Clothe yourself in who he is. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, says as much. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What's he talking about? Before you go out into the battlefield of life, make sure you're wearing your designer wardrobe. You will be, your identity will be found in him. And we even have an image of that. Not in your stuff, not in your degrees, not in how many letters come after your name or how many dollar signs show up in your bank account. Your self-worth will always exceed your net worth. So don't be defined by what other people say or what other people do or what circumstances have done or what failures might do. You know, all those things that threaten. No, no, no. Here's the question. What are you believing about you? Really, what are you believing about you? Then let go of any image of yourself, any self-talk that is not coming from God. Every label that somebody else tries to put on you, every definition that somebody, that others have tried to smear you with, you are not defined by your feelings or by your circumstances or by your failures or your so-called successes or by your portfolio. You are defined by who God is because God is your maker. And one of the things that he gives us so that we never forget that is the act of baptism. That's why coming into his family, before you put your light on our cross, you clothe yourself in Jesus Christ. The water of baptism represents the death and resurrection of Christ. We are immersed in who he is so that we now rise to live out of that identity. Believe it, believe it, believe it, believe it. That's where it starts. Don't do something. You want to do something, believe this. Then belong is the next B word. Every child is born intended to have a family, a belong, a place to belong, you are blessed, you are beloved, why? That you might belong in the family of God. And that's what John says. In his letter, he says, and now it is true, we are the dearly loved children of God. He says in John's, in his gospel, to all who receive him, Jesus Christ, to as many as received him and believed on his name, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, the children of God. And Paul, writing to the Romans, says, and that's why from our spirits we cry out, Daddy, Abba, Father, because we have such a close relationship by his grace. So are you belonging to God? Are you belonging to his family? This is why membership in church matters. Not like you're a member of a club, but you're connected. You're not floating by, you're not drifting down. No, you're connected in a family. You're connected in a group where you can be loved and love others and be known. That's what that's about, becoming or belonging. The next word is become. Believe, belong, become. Step into now your full potential in Christ as you're clothed in his wardrobe, then what you're going to, then, and this may be a different twist for you, but you know what Jesus said? In the world, you will have tribulation. What is tribulation? That's trouble on top of trouble on top of trouble. It's a lot of trouble. Tribulation is just a fancy word for a whole lot of trouble. Multiplied trouble. This is Jesus' way of saying life's not fair. Life's not fair, life's not kind, life's not easy. Life is challenging and suffering is part of it. And he kept saying this from the beginning because one of the questions of identity is what am I gonna do with my suffering? 
What's God going to do about my suffering? Here's what Jesus says. Okay, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Cross is a sign of deep, profound suffering. And he said, but we're not going to get stuck on the cross. You know, you're going to take up that cross and follow me. In other words, you don't just go through suffering. When you follow me, you grow through suffering. Because what you're going to discover is God our Father has the power to turn every crucifixion into a resurrection. So when crucifixion comes your way, even if you die to self, you rise to God. And even when your body dies, you're going to rise with me. So take up your cross Here's how to deal with your suffering. Somebody's wondering right now. Does it make sense to you? You don't get it. You feel it. It's like life's not fair. Life is hard. Why is God doing this to me? Jesus said, okay, pay attention. Bill, take up your cross. It's not going to hold you down, in other words. Take up your cross and follow me. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Become more, and I become a Christ follower. That's why I'm telling you, we are amphibious. Nobody gets out of this life alive, but we can get out transformed into the next life. That's what the hope is. And when Christ who is your life, Paul writes in Colossians 3, 4, when Christ who is your life, he is my identity, he's my life source, then when he appears, then I'm gonna appear with him. My identity flows from who he is in the next. Then behave, behave. Behavior is the is the end of things, not the beginning. You don't behave your way into God's grace. Pastor Matt made that really clear. Our first foundation stone is salvation by grace. It's God's gift and I receive it by faith. But once salvation is in me, I don't work for my salvation, but Paul says you do have to work it out. There's effort involved. You don't earn it, but you learn how to live in it. So as you grow to know God as your father, loving him back through Jesus Christ, who is now leading you and modeling for you what your life could become, then the power of the Holy Spirit will take you into places you haven't been, and suffering is where you're going to connect. When the cross comes and you follow him through it, then something's going to change about you. And as you persevere in commitment, aligning your life to his will, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, then God will give shape to your life. Your commitments of faith give shape or definition or identity to your life. So what faith is, is really shown in what we're committed to. You become like what you're committed to in life. Just like right now, your body is taking on the shape of that to which you have committed it. You have committed your body to that chair. You are now trusting it to sustain your full weight. And at the same time that it is sustaining you, it is giving definition to the shape of your body. So likewise, our faith commitments do. God sustains us by the strength of salvation, but as we commit to him, then our character starts taking on the shape of that to which we have committed. And as a result, our identity is defined by who Christ is. Now, I was talking with one of our Christ Journey leaders not too long ago about their personal journey. They met Jesus here. They've been growing in Christ here, connected in group identity, and then now serving God here. And uh, what they said to me was, you know, part of my past identity, we're talking about identity, part of my past identity was to tap into anger, to tap into anger. That emotion helps me as a survival tactic. 
But what I'm discovering is that emotion as a motivation to power up, to achieve, to overcome worked for a season, but not so much anymore. And then I came to see that that it was something God wanted me to let go of. And they said, I remember wondering if I let go of what I have used to define my identity for so long, then uh, who am I? I don't know how to be. And then they said, what I remember God saying was, wait a minute, my spirit is already alive in you and is bearing fruit through you. You are kind, you are good, you are patient. And then they said, it dawned on them, I do have access to to these because I am an heir, I am God's child. I am these things, not because, uh, you know, I'm not only an angry survivor of uh, of an abusive past. I am more than a conqueror, I am an overcomer, and I didn't make up that identity for me. That's not a self-made identity. I can step into that identity because it's who I am in Christ and it's real. I'm giving you a verbatim quote. I am who I am in Christ and I can step into it because it is real. This isn't something that we just make up. So did you hear the echo in that story? Are you my mother? Where did I come from? Who has the right to define my life? Does somebody else's abuse forever have to keep me trapped? No, no, no. The cry for true identity validation is answered. Are you my God, really? No, what if we stopped asking the question, are you my God, and started believing what God tells you, you are my child. You are my child. You have worth, you have value, you have potential. I have moved heaven and earth that my spirit might come alive in you. And then you say back to God, I exist for you, to know you, to love you, to serve you. And then out of that, I am not my job. I am not my birth order. I am not my country of origin. I am, my identity is in Christ. I am who I am in him. I am a human being and God can use me to fulfill his plan in my world. Would you pray with me? We really need help with these, Lord, because uh, the enemy spends so many deceptions to keep us bound. Thank you for the truth that sets us free. And I'm praying for somebody who right now knows they've been listening. They're, They're listening and you are inviting them to step into your truth about who they are. If that's you, then would you just lean in right now to the Lord and say, I'm listening. Lord, open my eyes to see me as you see me. And I'm letting go of what somebody else called me, what somebody else said about me, what my family, what my former spouse, what my 
circumstances have tried to define me as. And Lord, I'm just listening to you. You have my eyes, you have my ears. I'm listening, Lord. I'm looking. I'm leaning into you. Would you receive it now? I believe it, Lord. I believe that I matter to you. I believe that you spared no expense, but came in the gift of your son for me. And now you have put your spirit in me. I belong to you, Lord. You are the answer to my heart cry. And I long to become what you would have me to be, not just for this life, but for the next life. And until then, that my behavior might reflect the commitment of your character through me. Believer, is that your prayer? Then lean into it, receive it, say, yes, Lord, I wanna follow you. Even in my suffering today, I'm gonna to follow you. I don't just wanna go through it, I wanna grow through it. So have your way. And now if you're on the front end of your spiritual journey and would like to know how to make your first steps of faith. Lord Jesus, thank you for caring about me. That you came for me because God loves me. And that you died for me, that my sins might be forgiven. I believe that. I believe that you rose from the dead because I'm not meant for this life alone. And you have opened the way for eternal life. So I open my heart to you and invite you to have your way in me and lead me now as I make my prayer in your name. Our heads still bowed just for a moment longer, but if you prayed that last prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your steps of faith, then I'm gonna invite you simply to raise your hand and hold it up for a moment till I have a chance to see. If you're joining us online, then there's an orange banner across the screen right now. And our pastors, our ministers are praying with you and for you right now. Anyone? God bless you. Thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you. To my left, I'm seeing, God bless you. Lord Jesus, for every person who from their heart is reaching upward to you, we pray now they would experience the new identity you have for them in Christ, the joy of salvation, the peace that passes human understanding, and the adventure could begin, the adventure of blessing as we make our prayer in your name, amen.